It's go time. You're listening live to Third Down Gamble. First down. Welcome, everyone, and finally, the beginning of the 2021 season. And for the first time on this podcast, we can talk about game day action. I'm Don Charbon with Pat Mooney and Heath Graham. Glad you could uh, join us on the field today because it's going to be exciting. We have football. As we record this, two more sleeps, and I don't know if I'm going to get much sleep Wednesday night getting ready for Thursday. Let's go. No, we've got to get the PVRs all up so we can start recording all over again. Go back, watch all the highlights. I just, I, this, I love this time. It is the most wonderful time of the year. Every team right now is a clean slate. Every team has a great cup opportunity. Every team is ready to go. Every team has prepped and primed itself to get on the field. And every team is ready to play except one. Yeah, it's got to be tough building all this excitement and uh, and getting ready for the season and poor Montreal's sitting around waiting for week two. One more week to practice. They're going to really come out strong in week two. And, uh, you know, I wish they were there because I think I would have been picking some of their guys. That, that it's, that's going to be an exciting team to watch. We've spoken about before, but they get to watch and see what everyone else has in play first. So might be an advantage. It'll be a nominal advantage, but truthfully, they're only going to be concerned with one game. And that's going to be the team that they're going to be playing when they start their season. So I don't know if they're going to look across the board. They may, for just interest sake and excitement's sake, start with Hamilton and Winnipeg and and say, wow, football's back. Guys, we got to be going. Yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of people getting dinged up in, in camps across the league here as well. So one more week for them, is it going to help them rest up some of those uh, little nicks and bruises and, and be healthier coming in than some of the other teams that are starting this weekend? I'm sure those people in Montreal are still getting excited about the game. They're able to at least watch CFO games. And if you're a true fan like we are, it doesn't matter who's playing. You're going to watch the games. That has been my life ever since I can remember. I watch every game played. I don't care if it's East, East, West, West, East, West, West, East. It doesn't matter to me. I'm watching. It is my life's mission to see every game, it seems. And I'm glad. And my wife is very understanding, thankfully. So we watch football together quite a bit of the time, and it's a lot of fun. There have been some amazing moments. The one that comes to mind for me as one of the most exciting ones on a Friday night in the middle of the summer was Edmonton and Winnipeg. We've talked to Bob Irving about it. We played the clip from CJOB 680 in Winnipeg. Milt Stiegel catching a 100-yard pass on the final play of the game to win it for the Bombers. At that moment, it's roughly about quarter to 11 at night. I'm getting a little dozy because the game is almost won. You're kind of getting set for bed. And the next thing you know, there's Milt Stiegel going 100 yards. I'm jumping out of the chair. My heart's going through my head. And that's what CFL football is all about. It absolutely is. When you can watch those games that are undecided to the last few minutes, even if you're down 10 points, you know that teams still have a chance. Uh, I'm always flabbergasted when people walk away from the end of the game without waiting to the end. Something big can happen at any given moment, so certainly worth watching right to the end. Yeah, I have pretty strong memories of that game. The last few minutes were a real emotional roller coaster as a Bomber fan because they were up most of the game and then gave up points late for Edmonton to take the lead, and it looked like it was going to ruin my night. Um, 
I was getting a little bit dozy like Dawn. I was standing there with the remote in my hand, getting ready to watch the the last couple seconds tick off and then go to bed mad. And then all of a sudden I'm jumping up and down in my living room and throwing stuff in the air. So um, yeah, that one certainly sticks out for me as well as, as uh, an amazing memorable moment in CFL history. Um, you know, I can, I can't exactly remember what I was wearing, but I know exactly where I was when that game happened. <laughs> now we have to leap forward, come to the present and let's just sort of touch up the uh, news wire a little bit. Uh, let's go back. Uh, Dakota Pro Cup, who was released by the British Columbia Lions, winds up with the Edmonton Elks. There was a a bit of a surprise that Edmonton would come calling, but a little bit of history there. So I think that's probably reasonable for him to make that signing. And then, of course, Sean Lemon, released by the Elks, winds up with the Stampeders and the big one, Vontae Diggs, goes from the Elks to the Argonauts. Yeah, I'm not quite sure what was going on in Edmonton, but there was a lot of reasons for these cuts as being uh, a cultural fit with the team. Now, some of you may recall a couple of weeks back, I had picked Vontae Diggs as a most outstanding player in the West. Now he's in the East, but that's a scary linebacking core with the Argonauts now uh, with Mwamba and Judge there too. So um, great pickup for, for the Argos and uh, that defense is looking scary. The Argos just seem to get better and better with every veteran that they pick up because they're all veterans and, and assuming that they may have some some young talent in there as well I'm, I'm interested to see how they will melt and that this week's our first look at all those guys together Toronto we talked a lot about how could they bring this together and there had to be some heavy duty player talent that was going to be cut because of salary considerations and yet I don't think we really saw any major surprises coming out of Toronto no, they must have really managed their salary uh, salary caps well. Uh, a lot of players must have bought into what they were selling and, and maybe signed some pretty team-friendly deals to get a lot of strong veterans in place. And, and it might be a really... It's going to be a very different Toronto team from what we saw in 2019. But uh, it could be a very, very talented team as well. Derek Dennis is another player Edmonton has under contract, but he hasn't shown up. Thaddeus Coleman was there, was released. Two offensive linemen that likely will find homes if they can, in Dennis's case, get out of his contract or get himself traded. Coleman, I wonder if he winds up back with the Rough Riders eventually. As it stands right now, the Rough Riders sound like they're going to be potentially starting four Canadians, and I think a, a big part of it will determine... How does the Canadian tackle do? Boyko, you know, he used to play previously in the league, but when he was out in BC, the, the, he was often taken to task early and part of the reason BC's line looked pretty weak at the beginning of the year. Maybe that's just coaching, though, because the line sure did come around when they got a new coach in there. Second down. Kicking off the 2021 season, is the rematch of the 2019 Grey Cup, the Hamilton Tiger Cats in Winnipeg for the banner unveiling against the Blue Bombers. And of course, Heath and I had discussed this in the last podcast. Do you want to bring these two together right off the top? Does it generate that extra excitement? Do you want to maybe have that game played in Hamilton instead because they were the losers? The CFL has gone this route for seven years. Mazzoli gets the nod at quarterback for Hamilton. Yeah, good for Hamilton to get that out there early. Mazzoli is their number one guy going into week one. And uh, 
Speedy Banks has talked a lot about spoiling the party in Winnipeg. Sounds like he's ready to go. He's a, a soundbite and a, a face of the league, so he's he's fired up. Um, you know, this is going to be a tough matchup. We we see some of the injury injury reports. Andrew Harris is, is banged up with some leg injuries. He's kind of questionable for Thursday night. Uh, Darwin Adams went down awkwardly in practice, and it looks like a shoulder injury for him. He's questionable, so that's a couple of pretty key pieces of the Bombers' offense that are going to be missing come Thursday night if they're unable to go. Uh, that defense is going to be tasked with stepping up to keep the Bombers in that game. Well, on the one that, looking at the injury report for Winnipeg, seeing that Willie Jefferson didn't practice on Tuesday, hopefully that's not going to impact them because he is certainly one of the centerpieces of that defense. He is the one person out there that it could be an absolute game changer in the Canadian Football League on defense. I think he, he just brings that set to the field every time. Winnipeg, if Jefferson cannot go, that really will then free up, I believe, more time for Mazzoli. I think that translates into Hamilton having more time offensively to get down the field and maybe create more of a game out of it. Zach Galaris has had a full training camp with the Blue Bombers. You got to believe he's ready. Yeah, I think Calaris is ready to go, but missing his deep threat receiver and his running back, if they're not able to play, is going to be tough. 98% believe that Willie Jefferson is going to be in opening day lineup on Thursday night. I think unless that leg is broken and the foot's dragging behind him, he's going to tape up and he's going to be out there. Um, he brings a lot of energy. The fans love him. The teammates love him. He gets everybody pumped up. So if there's a will, there's a way with, with Jefferson. The other two, I'm I'm hopeful, but I think if you're going to expect big things out of Andrew Harris for the rest of the season, the Bombers need to make sure he's as close to 100% as possible before they put him in that lineup on Thursday night. For me, I think this game is going to be truly a, a battle of offense and defense and which one comes together first because, you know, Willie Jefferson in that defense, if Jefferson plays, and I, I too believe he will likely play, but if he's playing, uh, their defense, I think, is, is tasked with stopping Hamilton's offense. Hamilton's offense is a high-firing offense, but are they going to be together enough after training camp to be able to to move it down the field. And if they are, I think Hamilton has a chance to win this one. If uh, if not, then I think Winnipeg definitely gets a nod. But looking at Hamilton's injuries here as well, we've got Devere Posey uh, as, as out of the lineup for sure. And Braylon Addison has some injuries he's dealing with as well. So that's a couple of, of key receivers for Hamilton. And, and where does that leave them if, if they're not able to play? True, and missing one lineman as well in Chris Van Zyl. That may, may impact their running game as well. That's massive, actually, with Van Zyl not there. I think, though, that they've got the type of quarterback that has a lot of moxie. Jeremiah Mazzoli is the type of guy that doesn't get flustered by very much. And he's also a, a guy I always found that was very adept at understanding what the defense was giving him. He can rally, but he's a quiet leader. And he's he reminds me of Danny McManus in so many different ways because Danny Mack was a guy that was pretty much to himself. And I think that type of quiet, calm demeanor is going to help Hamilton because you know it's going to be a raucous crowd in Winnipeg. You know they're going to be pumped. They Once that banner goes uh, to its unveiling, that everyone's just going to be juiced to the max. And I think Hamilton needs the guy at the helm, Mazzoli, to really calm the offense down and get them focused on what needs to be done. I think this game could be a toss-up. I think it has potential to be one of the closest games of the week. Um, 
definitely, uh, it's one I'm looking forward to. Uh, as you say, Don, it's the first game, so you know we're all going to be glued watching this one. Friday night, the Lions are in Regina to take on the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Michael Riley is, I'm still unsure as to his status. He's got an elbow issue that he's contending with. Does that mean that he's going to start? I imagine so, but how effective is he going to be? It will be interesting. If Riley's on, we know he can be super effective in this league, and he's an outstanding player to watch. Behind Riley, you have a couple untested guys, and if Riley's not able to go, I think that that, that will be interesting to see some of the uh, quarterbacks that they've had in camp that they're fairly high on and who, who gets a start if he's not there. I know we were expecting big things out of Michael Riley this season, and an elbow injury on your throwing arm is a tough one to to start the season with. Hopefully it's not too serious. Um, looks like he did practice, though, with limited snaps, so there's hope there that he's okay, but that's something that they're going to have to watch very closely. And you're right, if he's not on to start that game and he's, he's having trouble throwing the deep ball or throwing a, a sharp pass across the middle, they might be in trouble. Well, one thing that I think is a given out of Regina, although their defensive line may have taken a big hit, that defensive secondary and the linebacking core, if they get settled in, especially among uh, the linebackers, the Rough Riders are going to be coming after him. Shivers likes to throw people at the quarterback. And if it's Nathan Rourke that has to start, he's going to see a lot of green jerseys come flying at him. It's going to be tough being on the road. If Michael Riley isn't starting for them, I think the Lions' odds of winning that game go way, way down because, if anything, Michael Riley been through the trenches and all the the battles that you need to as a starting quarterback. We look back to 2019 and the beating that he took repeatedly, and yet he stood in, stood in, stood in. He's a he's another guy that's a quiet leader. He doesn't make a lot of talk out there. He just leads by that beautiful passing arm that he can use. And if that elbow's in the way and it is causing him distress, wow, BC's in big trouble. It's tough enough to get into Mosaic Stadium and, and play, but when they've got 33,000 fans that are going to be there, full sellout, it's going to be loud. People are excited, and it's all all hands on deck in Regina. Everyone's able to go. There's no um, issues with COVID, so it's going to be a full house. Stampeders and the Argonauts. Calgary, of course, finished second in 2019. A lot of people are wondering if... This team has kind of ended its tour as being the best team in the West. Others think that they're just going to reload and continue on with John Huffnagel in the organization. It's going to be really interesting because the team that we've talked about the most in the offseason has been the Toronto Argonauts. And all of the money we think that they've spent on this free agent talent. Now, maybe they got some team-friendly deals out of it, and that's why all of these players are still there. One thing we're going to see from week one here in this matchup is a possible Toronto team on the upswing and a possible Calgary team on the downswing. Uh, it's going to be tough to tell everything from, from week one, but uh, certainly if, if Toronto comes out and beats Calgary at home uh, on opening night, it's going to be a real reflection of, I think, the direction both those teams are going. Of course, you got Nick Arbuckle coming back to Calgary. You've got his old mentor, Bo Levy-Mitchell, who's looked pretty good in training camp, uh, was fighting a bit of a groin injury, but he looks like he's ready to go for the game. This could be an aerial assault on both sides. We do believe that the Calgary defense is going to be a little bit suspect. 
We know that Arbuckle would love to go into Calgary and take it to the Stampeders. Talent that he has across the board. He's He's got a, a couple of Stampeder receivers with him as well. I think that's really going to be huge for Toronto. The question in my mind is, does that defense in Toronto gel fast enough to keep Bo Levy-Mitchell from throwing for 350 yards? We all know that Mitchell is an incredible athlete, but I do think that that defense together has so much veteran presence that they're going to be able to uh, do, do a good job, I think, of limiting some of the options that Mitchell has on the field. I guess the other thing that, that is a question for me, I, I think we all believe that Calgary has potential to not be there, but but we also know Hoffnagel's track record of bringing athletes in and the next guy up steps in and can become a star. So um, this this is going to be interesting to watch both of these teams because for me, they're, they're both a little bit of an unknown quantity and this game will at least tell us which direction they're heading. Yeah, the thing I'm excited to watch is that linebacking core in Toronto. If they start throwing some stunts at Calgary, who do you block? Who does your running back pick up? Because they can run some really interesting things on there and really put some pressure on Mitchell. And I think that's ultimately going to be the key. It's how much time does Mitchell have to set up relative to what Toronto does on defense to mix up the coverages, mix up the the, uh, pursuits. Just don't think that you can just leave your offensive line to take care of the the defense of the Argos. I think you're going to have to leave a back in, which then takes a potential receiver out of the equation for Mitchell. It's going to be a real chess game. I think this is the one game that I I have a tough time trying to get a handle on because I just think there are so many unknowns on the defenses that anything is possible. Finally, we move to the Edmonton Elks home opener with their new name. And they play the Ottawa Red Blacks, who have been filling the roster of the Edmonton Elks for the last few years, <laughs> namely quarterback, receiver, offensive line. There's been a few players that have made their way across from Ottawa to Edmonton. Yeah, a new quarterback in Ottawa here as well. So let's see what Matt Nichols and Paul Lapalise have, what kind of chemistry they're bringing back uh, from their days together in Winnipeg. Um, you know, to me... The Red Blacks are the biggest question mark in the league this year. I just can't really figure out what they have for weapons and what it's going to look like. I mean, Nichols is a guy that famously is, he doesn't like the tag, but a game manager type quarterback. Um, He doesn't uh, go with the flashy deep ball very often, but he's accurate on those short plays. And if he's got some solid handed receivers, they can chip away. And I think a key for them is going to be ball possession, time of possession. They can't be uh, two and out and giving it back to to Edmonton if they're going to have a chance in this game. It's got to be uh, grinding it out and uh, really extending the amount of time that they keep that ball out of, out of uh, Edmonton's hands. I absolutely agree. I think this is a game that's going to be won in the trenches. And I think if, if Edmonton can get a good running game going and, and, and move the ball, I think that's going to allow them to hold that time of possession and, and keep the ball away from Ottawa. Ottawa, I think, will be limited with their time, so they're going to have to make it make it work. But but if they're doing short passing game, which is what we have seen from Nichols in the past with different offensive coordinators, that, that's one where you have to be very accurate and very controlled. And if it doesn't work, you're going to be punting the ball back to the other team a fair amount. This is the game, I think, that Ottawa has to use to make a statement. If they are not going to be a 3-11 and team or a 4-10 and team, you've got to do something at Edmonton on opening night to show that. I don't think that Ottawa can go in there, get blown out, and then still claim that they're going to be 
a team to be contending contended with. I think that ultimately, if Nichols is going to guide that offense, they've got to score probably 28 points minimum to win a football game. I just don't know that the defense is as strong as it has been in the past, especially now that their D coordinator is now in Edmonton. Ironically, Edmonton's former D coordinator now in Ottawa. There's a lot of symbiosis between these two teams. If Ottawa can establish a running game as well, that, that could certainly help them. We shorten the game if you can run the ball. But if Ottawa doesn't, I just don't see how they're going to come away with a win. It would be great if they did, because that would just turn the league on, sort of on its head. Yeah, you raise a great point about running the ball. And I, you know, looking at the roster, I'm not sure who Ottawa has got that's a, a marquee running back either. It might be running the ball by committee, uh, receiving core by committee as well. So it's one of those uh, those teams that might be kind of that blue-collar, grinded-out type team. Um, they might be really tough to play against, and uh, I hope for the sake of the, the league that they are more competitive than I'm probably giving them credit for at this point. I'd like to see them in games and, and really challenging some of these other, other teams. Third down. This is the fun side of the podcast. This is where we get into the fantasy players. The three of us are in DraftKings. It's probably similar in the uh, TSN CFL pool where we pick a quarterback, running back, two wide receivers, two flexes, which is any of the above except quarterback, and then, of course, a defense. So who wants to uh, take the plunge first? Well, I can start by let's, let's go through quarterbacks and see what we have. But uh, I know as I took a look at all the quarterbacks, there's some very expensive quarterbacks out there. Um, so I went kind of midline with um, Edmonton's quarterback. I've got Harris, $9,400. I thought he presented a good value. And for me, that was one that I thought I would go with for this first week. I chose Harris as well. And my part of my thinking was the cost association the other thing that i was thinking was the defense he's going to be going up against and the fact that he's at home well we may need to rethink this a little bit because i've got trevor harris as well um, i think he's a steal compared to some of the other quarterbacks given the opponent as well as don alluded to um, you know i think there's a lot of questions in in ottawa's defense and harris has an opportunity to pick them apart and get us a lot of fantasy points running back heath I'm going off the board on this one because I'm questioning the health of Andrew Harris and a real value pick. I've got Johnny Augustine, the running back for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers at $5,400. Um, if my hunch is correct, even if Harris starts the game, I don't think he's going to be carrying the workload that he's used to. And um, Augustine, from what we have seen in his limited game action, is a very capable running back. He's been mentored by Andrew Harris for the last couple of seasons. And uh, if he gets the opportunity, I think he's going to make the most of it. For $5,400 beside that offensive line, I think he's going to have a great chance. That's actually a great pick. I'm, I'm at this point in time, and I'm saying that as a caveat, because I, at this point in time, I've chosen Kerry from Calgary, $7,100. I, I do think he's one of the premier backs in the league. Having said that, I know we just talked about Toronto's linebackers, so... Um, it's going to be interesting to see if that's one that I carry on with or if I switch to someone else. How about you, Don? I've gone back to the Elks. I just think that they're going to feast on the uh, Red Blacks, and I picked James Wilder Jr. Now at $8,200, expensive, but I think any time that they get down near the goal line and they need that final yard to plunge, 
rather than have Harris do it, I'd give the ball to Wilder, and that could be a lot of fantasy points in a heartbeat. I think that's a great pick as well. We're, we're not even trash-talking each other here yet, so we'll, we'll maybe give everybody a pass on week one of the season before we really start uh, harping on each other's picks. That's right. Well, next week we can kind of pick them all apart. Eh? <laughs> Wide receiver, I my first pick at 7,000 is Kyron Moore, Saskatchewan versus BC. Swerve is probably a pretty good value pick at 7,000, and I think that he can break a game wide open. He's not going to be a possession receiver, but he is the guy that's going to get you the deep ball and and might get you a couple of fantasy touchdowns. I went with uh, receiver number one. I've got uh, Breskis in from Toronto, uh, $6,800 for him. Uh, I'm hoping for big things from Nick Arbuckle and that he's going to be slinging the ball around and uh, Breskis, and I, I believe, is my number one receiver um, at that value for Toronto. Pat? I spent big money here. I, I went uh, on Evans, $9,000. For me, he is obviously the connection with Cody Fajardo was there in 2019. I think that will be something that will be rekindled in this game. And, uh, you know, it's, it's tough because between Moore and Evans, you've got to choose one of them. And, and I'm hoping that it's going to be Evans this week. Shaq Evans is a great pick. I spent my money on somebody else with my second receiver. I picked up Darrell Walker with the Edmonton Elks. There's a theme here. You don't have to really talk too much about him. He's a stats monster. He is just a a no-brainer. The price tag was a little bit steep, but given that I spent a little less on Moore, I thought... That sounds an awful lot like my justification of taking uh, Breskis in with my first receiver pick because I also have Darrell Walker from Edmonton for the 8,500 for pretty much the exact reasons that Don gave. Uh, I think uh, Harris to Walker is going to be a big thing that we're going to hear a lot of this season. So might as well get him on that board out of the gate here and see what he can do. In my fantasy, I played the same stack when you've got Harris and you've got Walker. So that one was absolutely unanimous. We've all got him in our receiver core. Let's pick our two flex players at once just to speed this along a little bit. Pat? Oh my goodness, you know, I've got about two or three different options I've been looking at. Um, as they stand right now, I've got with Acklin with Hamilton, as well as Ambles from Calgary. That's 6,400 and 6,000, so a total of 12,4 between the two of them. Now that can be switched a little bit. I've got some extra money left over at the end, so you could go, and this is my thinking, that I might switch to one of these, either Ellingson and Lenius, and I'm leaning that way particularly if Jordan Williams doesn't start. Yeah, I know he's been having some questions about it. Lenius has been taking first team reps with Saskatchewan. So uh, the other option is, as you said before, Don, going back to Wilder, just for the reason of Edmonton against Ottawa. But then I have to go with someone really cheap because uh, I don't have much money left. And that would bring someone like Burt, see if he might be a bit of a target. Uh, right now, I am Ackland now, Ambles. Heath? Uh, because I saved some money on jo- Johnny Augustine, who's going to be the surprise of the week, um, I have got uh, Kyron Moore and uh, Eric Rogers from Saskatchewan and Toronto, respectively. Uh, 7000 for each of these players, so I think there's some great value there. Um, hoping for big things, and uh, you know I've got now two Toronto receivers, so uh, it's up to Arbuckle to, uh, to get them the ball. My two flex players, I went with Jalen Acklin and I went with Juwan Breskison, uh, 64 and 6,800. Just think that Breskison, if he has a breakout game, he would probably love to do it against Calgary. Breskison shows what he's got from 2019. I think he'll be a great pickup for this game. Jalen Acklin, of course, 
I, with Addison out, Braylon Addison out, there's a good chance that Ackland's going to see a lot more of the ball. How about defense? Heath? Well, um, as we've discussed earlier, we're not expecting a big first game out of the Ottawa Red Blacks. So for that reason, I am taking the Edmonton Elks defense at 3600 and uh, actually priced fairly low, all things considered. I think they're a, they're a steal of a defense at 3600 Don? Could not agree more. 3600 opponent rank of ninth on DraftKings, Edmonton Elks. It's again unanimous because that is a, you just can't pass that up this week. We're going to be uh, going over this all season long, and there are going to be weeks when we're going to be apologizing for what we did and weeks that we're going to be breaking our ribs as we pat ourselves on the back too hard. Hopefully. Keep in mind, we're not even professional podcasters, let alone professional gamblers. So take what we say with a grain of salt, please. <laughs> let's, let's pick our winners. Game one, Pat, go. You know what? I'm going tie cats just because of the injury to uh... Heath. I'm going to break the hearts of, of all of the podcasters tonight as a Winnipeg and, Sus- and Saskatchewan fans. And I'm going with the Hamilton Tiger Cats in game number one. That's a shocker. That's hard to believe. This is a real toss-up for me, but I'm going to take the Thai Cats as well. Game two. Heath. As I alluded to, breaking the hearts of the podcasters, I am going with the BC Lions to go into Mosaic and beat the Riders in week number one. Pat? Hope that doesn't happen. I have the Riders. It all depends on Michael Riley. If he's not starting, it's the Riders. If he starts, it's the Lions. So if I had to pick right now, I'll say Riders. Game three, we got the Argos and the Stampeders. This, to me, is the game that is the most hard to determine. Pat? It is a tough one. I am going with the Stampeders just for the fact they're at home, and I'm thinking Toronto maybe hasn't quite gelled yet. Heath? I'm hoping for a lot of points on the board because I do have a couple of Argonauts receivers in my lineup, but I am going with the Calgary Stampeders in this one. I'm going to take the Argonauts. I do believe that they have enough to beat the Stampeders, and I just don't think that the Stampeders are as strong as they were in 2019. Game four, Heath, Red Blacks, Elks. I'm not going off the board here. Edmonton Elks, <laughs> all day. That? <laughs> Absolutely, the Elks. This is my most confident pick this week. Mine as well. It should be the Elks in a walk, or should that be a thundering herd? Let's get it going. It's time for football. Woo-hoo! Thank you for listening to our show. Third Down Gamble is hosted on Podbean. Follow us on Twitter where our handle is at Third Down Gamble. Join us again next time. The Third Down Gamble podcast. Audio worth watching.